welcome to the weekly podcast from City Light Church in Lethbridge. For more teaching or to find out more about life at CLC, please visit our website at citylightchurch.ca. Good to be in God's house. So good to have you as part of our family of faith. Believers in the house, believe God's word. We live by God's word. God becomes your very foundation, strength and faith by which you live your life. Father, I pray that this word would add to our strength, our foundation, our faith, that we put our hope and trust in you. Makes us stronger as believers. Just releases us to live in the promise and the plan that you have for us for our life. So anoint this word as it goes forth out of my mouth. Anoint and open up every ear and heart to receive the word of God. To believing it, and to do it, and be blessed by doing it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Okay, we're well into our series. Second week of this series called Anchored by Hope. Anchored by Hope. And today I'm going to talk about seeing God's goodness, even in the bad. Seeing God's goodness, even when bad things are happening to you, right? So last week I talked about this group of believers called the Hebrews. And here the writer, and I believe it was Paul, was saying to the Hebrews, hey, listen, you know, don't go back. Because the Hebrews, what they were doing is they were suddenly, they had received Christ by faith, believed in Jesus, and they had given up this, this old religion called Judaism, which was all about obeying, obeying every command, every rule, every ritual, every tradition. But now they were going back to those traditions again, trying to serve God in their own effort. And Paul is saying, listen, don't go backwards. Don't drift. Don't do that. And so he says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not what? Drift. We do not drift away. There's that word drift. It's a nautical term. Drift. Don't drift. See, we live in this world. I said last week, we live in a world, a windy world of storms that's full of assumptions and other people's opinions and, and, you know, uh, and, and bad experiences, other people's bad experiences, and the negative news. And if you get caught up in these, it can change, literally change the direction of your life, right? And so Paul is saying, don't drift, don't drift. You know, and can I say this? That one of the reasons why God puts us in church is because, it's just for this very reason because there are so many things in this world that can, that can make us drift. You see, the church is a ship. God is the builder of ships. He's the builder of fellowships. And that's where believers, like heart and mind, are in a journey together of faith. And so he puts us in a ship on this journey on this destination to work together and to serve together, right? And who, where the captain of the ship is who? Jesus. He's at the helm. See, you've got to understand, we're not a cruise ship. We're not here to just enjoy the comforts of being in church, right? We're not a cruise ship. We're, we're, we're more than that. You know what we are? We're, we are a, a worship. We worship. We worship God. We come together. We, we, we were in relationship. We serve together, you know? 
and we, and we honor God and we worship him. And he's our God, right? But it's more than just a, wor- a worship. It's also a warship. A warship. We see, we're in a spiritual battle. We have an enemy. And we can't fight the fight unless we're all together in the same ship. So God puts together a fellowship that's a, that's a warship. And we're like an army. We're like a naval force together, working together in one on this destination to reach people for Jesus, right? And I've never in my, can I say, I've never in my life ever seen so many believers that have jumped ship and are no longer part of any ship. And they're just floating around in the sea of life, just going nowhere, and they're in danger, great spiritual danger in their life. Just drifting on long in life. That's not what God meant for us. You see, our own lives, our life as individuals are like a ship. And like a ship, if we're not anchored, listen, you're going to drift. And that's the warning here in the Bible. And that's why in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, Paul says, listen, Hebrews, listen, people of God, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Last week, we defined hope. We said that hope is the expectation of goodness. But we expand and said, no, that's not enough. It's not expecting something good to happen to you. Hope is the expectation of God's goodness in your life. Amen? See, that's our hope. That's what we need to put our anchor down into. But let's be honest. Sometimes we don't see God's goodness in our life, do we? Sometimes we wonder, you know, God, are you still there in my situation? Do you still care? Come on, ever feel that? Anyone ever feel that way? Not very few. Where have you been in this life? You know, I feel that way a lot. You know, and then if if you if you start to think that way and you start to question, is God still there? You start to waver. You start to doubt. And you waver in your faith, and you're asking, you know, God, are you still there? For example, maybe you were in a relationship and you were so excited. But then all of a sudden, the one you thought was the one tells you that you're not the one. And it rocks your world. It rocks your ship and sends you crashing towards the rocks of disappointment and, you're, and, 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 and sh- sending you a place where you can get emotionally shipwrecked, right? But listen, if you work through the disappointment, if you put your confidence in the expectation of God's goodness, if you put your trust, if you put your hope in the expectation of God's goodness... Then later, and only later, will you, find out, will you find out that God actually did you a favor. Amen? Amen? That he actually saved you. You know, hindsight, they say, is twenty twenty, And when you look back on what happened to you in that emotionally tearing experience, you realize that maybe God has just saved you from the consequences. From, the, from a lifetime of negative 
consequences from that one decision. Amen? He just saved you. God is so good. And listen, if you're not anchored, you can get shipwrecked, right? You could get emotionally shipwrecked. You know, Karen and I, before I met Karen, <coughs> my beautiful wife, <coughs> a lot of other guys thought she was pretty beautiful too. <laughs> and she was dating a lot of guys, right? <laughs> Way before me, she was dating a lot of guys, and I thought, you know, do I even qualify, you know? But let me ask you this question. What would have happened to Karen? What would have happened to her if she had not waited for me. What if she had missed me? It would have been a sad, sad story, right? Not Clyde, I said sad. Right? Right. You better agree. <laughs> Listen, God is the one who opens doors, and God is the one who closes doors. Got to understand that, right? He's got more sovereign power in your life than you realize. Listen, if the door to your job closes, guess what? Another door is going to open up that's going to be even better. There's a reason why sometimes God closes the door because he wants to do something even better for you. He's a father. He loves us, right? Listen, I say this. You got to know in your knower that God is good getting stubbornly angered in the fact that God is good. That's what's going to save you. That's what's going to hold you fast during the storms in every situation this life can throw at you. Amen? God is so good. Point number one, get anchored in the goodness of God even when His goodness is not yet, say with me, not yet. Not yet evident in your life. I'll tell you a story about this old, in the Bible, it's, it's right out of the Bible. It's this couple. They're married, they're old, and they're so old. And they have not yet seen much evidence of the goodness of God in their life. They're living in a desert, they've got hardly anything. They've kind of left their homeland. And the, and the wife, she is so disappointed She's always wanted to have the child. The father's just kind of disappointed because he's always wanted to be a father and a dad. But you know, this, you know in those days in the Middle East, if you didn't have a child, it was, it was a curse. And, and there was so much shame attached to childlessness. And so the, so the wife, she had, she had basically just given up hope. I mean, it was past the time that they ever have children, Right? But the guy, the, the husband, his name was Abraham. He still had hope. He was still holding on. You know the Bible says that, that Abraham is the father of our faith? He's the father of every one of us who have faith in Jesus. Do you know that? Here's what, listen to what Romans chapter 4 verse 18 says. It says, and this is the right, Paul is saying, same writer to the Hebrews, says, against all hope, Against all hope. What did Abraham do? He hoped. Abraham, in hope, believed, 
and so became the father of what? He became what? A father of many nations. Without weakening in his face, in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was only about what? How many years old? hundred years old. You know, that's really old today. It was old in those days too as well, right? And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not. There's that word, yet. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. There are many promises of God for us today. There are over 300 plus personal promises of God for us today. But he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to his God. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. For every promise, there is power for God to give it to you, right? And this is why it was credited to him as what? As being right with God. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness, simple definition, being right with God. How to be right with God? By doing all kinds of stuff, trying to please him. No, just by believing in his son Jesus, right? That's how we become righteous, by believing, by trusting, by putting our hope in God. You know, and that pleases him. The words, it was credited to him, were written, not for him alone, but also for who? For us. To whom will God will credit righteousness? For us to who, who do what? Who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord, from the dead. Does that qualify you? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Then God will credit righteousness. He will do what you what do for Abraham. He will do for you. Amen? I love this picture. Look at this, next, this is a picture. You know, I have an art background, went to art college. And I love pictures. I love this, this picture. by This is by Rembrandt. This is a picture of what happened in the Bible in Genesis chapter 18. It's about Abraham. And, and Abraham, that 100-year-old guy, three visitors come and visit them on their sojourn to the Canaan line. They were, they were in the desert. And three visitors come. Abraham greets the visitors, and he's such a hospital, hospitable guy. He said, hey, Sarah, go prepare a young goat. Prepare a meal. So they prepare a meal. And the customers, the woman, stayed behind. She straight out of the picture because these were men. And so they're having this conversation around this meal. And then Abraham realizes these aren't just ordinary men. These are sent from heaven. These are angels. And the guy that's lit up, he's an epiphany of Jesus, right? Actually, in the Bible, calls him the Lord, right? But in this here, he's, he's an angel. And the angel of the Lord says to Abraham, and listen, Abraham, about the same time this year, guess what? I'm going to make you a father. You're going to have a child. Abraham says, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Don't you know how old I am? You know, this is impossible. He says, listen, Abraham, about this time, you're going to have a child. But not only will you have a child become a father, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be the father of many, many people. In fact, nations are going to come out from you. He's blown away. And they carry on this conversation. The three, three visitors leave. Let's pick up. Let's, let's think of a scenario. Three visitors leave. Sarah is wondering, what is going on? Who are those guys? What are they telling him? After they leave, Abraham picks up his cane, walks into the house, sits down at the kitchen table. 
Right? And Sarah says, who are those guys? What did they say to you? And Abraham says, sweetie, and he looks at her and gives her a look she hasn't seen in years. <laughs> and she says, Sarah, we're going to have kids. And we're going to have children. And she looks at him and says, Abraham, are you crazy? And he says, not only that, we're going to have a whole bunch of children. He drops his cane and he starts chasing her around the table. She goes running out of the house, screaming at her neighbors, help, help, my husband's gone crazy. Amen? Against all hope, Abraham what? Hoped. Even when his wife didn't hope. In Genesis 45 to 50, there's another great story of hope. It's about Joseph. He sold into slavery by his brother. Brothers of all people, his, his brothers. But, he, but in Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 to 4, this is what the Bible says about that. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord, had give, Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. See, God was right there in Joseph's life. And Joseph, it says right here, Joseph prospered. Joseph was successful in the negative of this difficult, dark times. God was up to something good. You just couldn't see it because it was hidden in a season of adversity, right? Hidden, but God was right there. But because Joseph put his hope in the goodness of God, God was able to do, he was able to work it all out for good. And if you read the end of the story, Joseph becomes one of the most powerful men in all the world, second only under Pharaoh himself. And it happened because Joseph anchored himself in the goodness of God. Amen? No, point number two. Hope begins when we stop wondering and start watching for God's goodness in our life. Hope begins when we stop wondering, when we stop questioning, and we start looking for God's goodness, right? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. How many times... You know, if you've been a, you know, in our family, church family, a long time, how many times have I given you this scripture? Jeremiah 29, verse 11, where the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Listen, God knows his plan for you. The question is, do you know his plan for you? Do you know his plan? Right? That's a good question. You know, last week I talked about about um, th this, this, this study that was done by the theologians and philosophers called theodicy. Theodicy. Theodicy is the study of how God's goodness exists alongside the pain and injustice and hardships of life. Theodicy addresses the strong theological truth. Remember this? And this is the truth. God is good and life is hard. 
right? Do you remember that? And the fact that God is good does not cancel out the fact that life is hard. And the fact that life is hard does not cancel out the fact that God is good, right? Both are realities. Both are realities. And this reality is literally front and center of our life every single day, all the time. God is good, life is hard. But here's the most important thing. The question is, which reality are you going to live from? Which one? See, people with the, with the um, life is hard, who live from the life is hard pers- perspective, see everything out of that perspective, right? Even when, so- sometimes when, when the people tell them that, you know, that God has good things for them, they don't want to hear it because they've already decided that they're living out of the reality that life is hard, right? And when you, tell, when you, when you talk about something good or, or something positive, you know, all they want to do, they, they can't wait for the opportunity to turn that conversation back to the life is hard reality. You know people like that? You know, like there are two opposing contrasting Ideals. They're like water and oil, right? Such diverse perspectives. And when you get people from each perspective, they can literally polarize. They don't get together. They don't mix well, right? Positive Paul does not get along with negative Neil, right? An upbeat Earl can't get along with Doubting Dan. Sorry if you're Dan. (laughs) (coughs) They just don't mix. They're like oil and water. They think differently. They talk differently. They approach problems differently. They're just just different, right? (coughs) The Odyssey concludes this on your next point. In this world, both good and evil exist. You can't explain it. You can't explain why. It's just... It just does, right? They just exist. But here's the point. But God's goodness, God's goodness is not equal to the undeserved hardships of life. God's goodness is way surpassingly greater than all the hardships and difficulties of life. Amen? Amen. It's way, way greater. See, next point. Hope begins. Well, it's the same point. Hope begins when we stop wondering and we start watching for God's Goodness in our lives, right? One of the best metaphors to describe life is a book. I want to take you, take, I took two points out of the message we preached a long time ago when we did this series by Kevin Gerald called Good Things. Here's the next point. Point number three. A good life, like a book, is made up of many chapters. Did you ever hear that? Some of you, Remy, right now, you're not living in an easy chapter. Maybe you're stuck in a job, a place you don't like, and you just can't seem to find the right fit for your career. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're someone, we talk about being married, maybe you're someone that wants to be married, but you don't have any prospects right now. And then you finally find someone that might be the one, but then they tell you, oh, we just want to be friends. And you're wondering, am I going to be single for the rest of my life? You know, when I was growing up in the Lord, I felt that way. I'm so glad I waited. Amen? I'm getting points with my wife here. See? 
I know how to work it. <laughs> yeah, I'll chase her around the tent. <laughs> God is so good. But life is hard. Maybe you just got a negative report from the doctor. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever negative thing it is, as difficult as a chapter may be, it doesn't have to define you, right? Or be the story of your life. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things. That means the ugly things. That means the painful things. That means the setbacks. That means the put-downs. That means the criticisms. God works through all of them. He's processing. He's working the good that will come out from all that bad. Amen? Next point. A chapter is a chapter. And it's not the whole story, is it? Do you recognize some of these people? Who is this person? <clears throat> Anybody recognize them? Tyler Perry, also known as Medea. <clears throat> Tyler Perry is awesome. Incredibly successful. Writer, author, producer, right? If you took one chapter out of his story, you'd hear about a young boy who grew up in extreme poverty with a very abusive father. Even at age 28, he was literally living out of his car. He was homeless. But look where he is today. He held his place and he took, put his anchor down into the goodness of God. How about this next person? Next person. Next slide. Bethany Hamilton. This is Bethany Hamilton. She won first place in the Women's National Surfing Championships. If you read one chapter out of her book, you might have read about a 13-year-old girl attacked by a shark, lost her left arm. How about this next person? Do you recognize him? Franklin Roosevelt. Is it Franklin D. Roosevelt? One of the most respected presidents of the USA ever. If you took one chapter out of his life, you read about a, a time when he was vacationing in Canada. He developed polio. And from that point, he was paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of his life. But that didn't stop him from being one of the greatest presidents who ever lived. How about the next guy? You recognize him? Of course you recognize him. Second most recognized person in America. You know, the, you know who the first person is? Billy Graham. 65 years of age. He started the Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise. Isn't that amazing? He put his anchor in the goodness of God. How about one more? Steven Spielberg. The most, one of the most prolific filmmakers of all times. Took one chapter out of his story. You read a story about a young man who was rejected twice by the USC Cinematic Arts School. Not just once, but twice. Look what he is now, right? This is, this is why we can't let a loss in our life, maybe a, a, a loss of a job, a loss of a business, 
a loss of a relationship. You can't let that loss make you think and believe that this is the story of your life. Amen? A chapter is a chapter is a chapter is a chapter, right? Point B. You don't decide all the chapters of your life, but how you frame them will decide your story. How you frame your life will decide your story, right? So, we have to realize we don't decide. We have no control over a lot of things. You don't decide which family you're from. You don't get to pick the problems that you're going to have in your life, right? You don't choose, you know, you, don't, you, you, you can't control what people say about you, what people, do, what people do to you, what people say about you, right? And you can't control which, which people are going to remain your friends. You don't know who's going to, you know, walk away from you, turn on you. And you don't know who's going to stay in your life and who's going to go in your life, do you? You don't know, but you have a chance. Yeah, that's your story, but you have a chance to frame every situation into a perspective. You get to choose. Can you say with me? I get to choose. I get to choose the perspective I'm going to frame my life to live my rest of my life out of, right? You get to decide how you're going to do it. Some people frame it in the frame of pain and injustice victim mentality. Some people frame it in the frame of hope and despair. It's the story of my life. Some people frame it in the frame of hiding. Hiding pain and drugs and alcohol or in pleasure or or, or sex, whatever it is. We hide pain. You know, so you can live out of any one of those frames or any other one. Or you can choose to live out of the perspective that God wants you to have. What is this perspective that God wants you to have about your life? It's in Romans 8.28. One of the greatest scriptures ever quoted in the Bible. How many times have we quoted this one? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who've been called according to his purpose. Amen? And the message version adds to that. That's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. A chapter is a chapter is a chapter. Amen? How do you frame pain and justice and hardships in your life? So important. So, next point. Point C. You don't decide all the chapters of your life, but how you frame them will literally decide the outcome, the end of your story, right? Point in case, Joseph. Years after Joseph was sold into slavery, there's a major famine in all the land, and his brothers have to come to Egypt for help. And they have no idea that God's hand a favor has been on Joseph all these years. And they have no idea that Joseph is now literally the grand overseer of all the food supply in that country, in the land. Amen? That part of the world. 
Joseph sees his brother standing in the line. He recognizes it, right? And he does everything to try to bring them back, bring them back again. And then finally he tells them who he is. And it terrifies them. They are so afraid that Joseph is going to get revenge for what they did to him, to their brother. And they're terrified. And Joseph reassures them, listen, I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you. And his words that he spoke to his brother that day, here's the picture. Okay, uh, oh yeah, so go, go back. Here's Here's the words. These words are such a powerful statement how God works out everything for good, right? And he tells his brothers, listen, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He says, you intended for bad, God intended for good. And he says, now, he says, now, I'm seeing the goodness of God through all the bad that I've experienced. Amen? And you think about it. If there's anyone, if there's anyone you think that had the right to be disappointed, to be angry, to living anger and despair, it would have been Joseph. But Joseph put his hope in the goodness of God. And listen, when he did that, that literally freed God, that enabled God to do something so incredibly great for Joseph. Amen? And it's the same thing for us. If we remain in hope, if we train our eyes to see God's goodness and we keep looking for it, then nothing and then nobody can stop God's plan of goodness and favor for you. Amen? Listen, we've all made mistakes in our life. We've all made mistakes, and the enemy would want to condemn you. He says, that mistake would define you. You'll never get away from that mistake. Listen. Bob says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life has been overcome by the law of spirit and truth and faith. God's grace is, where sin abounds, yes, you disobeyed God, you didn't do what was right, yeah, you sinned. But listen, Bob says, where sin abounds, how much more does grace abound? Grace is God's goodness, God's undeserved favor. He's giving you what you don't deserve, right? How much more does grace abound? It doesn't matter what you did. We've all made major mistakes. But God's goodness overrides that. He frees you from that mistake. Don't ever let the enemy condemn you. That mistake, I'm going to have to pay for that for the rest of my life. That's what grace is. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. Amen? got to understand that. You recognize this lady? <clears throat> this lady's name? Anybody recognize it? This is Kim Reichhelm. Kim Reichhelm is involved in a, speak call, in a sport called extreme skiing. Extreme skiing. High velocity downhill skiing. Going, and you have to go through barriers and trees. It's extremely acute, and it can be a very dangerous sport. So they asked her, how do you do this? How do you do this sport? And her answer is, it's simple. It's very simple. And she said, I focus on the spaces, not on the obstacles. 
I focus on the spaces and not on the obstacles. When I focus on the spaces, I get to where I want to go. When you focus on the good things of God and the opportunities that God gives you, even in the midst of hard times, you will get through the storm to where you want to go when, when God wants to take you. Amen? This scripture in Romans chapter, I'm almost done, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, written by Paul. Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How powerful is the word of God? How powerful it is to change the way you think from despair and doubt to trusting in God and believing in God and having a a hope mindset. He says, let the word of God transform your mind from a doubting, you know, despairing mindset to one that trusts God, believes God, and sees the goodness of God because you trust and believe in Him. Amen? Be hope-minded. If you are hope-minded, then you will be opportunity-minded. If you're hope-minded, if instead of being problem-minded, you will be solution-minded. Listen, hope literally draws in the goodness of God into your life. Do you know that? When you hope in God, that draws in the goodness of God. Just like Joseph. Just like Abraham. Just like you and me. Amen? Let's put our hope. Let's put our anchor down into the goodness of God. He loves to be good. He will be good. You may be going through a a season of adversity. Just like Joseph. But listen. The goodness of God might not be so evident. It might be hidden in this season of adversity. But like Joseph, God is going to work it out for good. He will work it out for good because he loves you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Okay. If you believe that, stand with me. Let's all stand.